Muy buenos días. Buenos días, amén. Amén. It's good to be here today. And like Pastor said, I'm Sam, Tammy White. I see Joy back there. I remember you, Joy. And I remember some of you here. And like I said, I have very good memories of this, this church and the help that y'all have given us even when we were uh, here living about 14 years ago. We were here taking down some houses to go to Costa Rica and build my house and build some of the ministry bu buildings that we have there. And we're very thankful for that. Very thankful for this church for supporting my parents. And um, Pastor McGuffey is not just a supporting church. He's a dear friend of my parents. And I appreciate that. And, and uh, now my dad passed away two and a half years ago. And my mom is still in Costa Rica, works in the ministry. She's my pianist, and uh, she's doing very well. And the ministry in Costa Rica is doing very well, too. We are. Does anybody know where Costa Rica is? Oscar, where is Costa Rica? <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you see your map over there, it's right in between Nicaragua and Panama. We've been there for, I've been there for 23 years, serving, working as a missionary. Now, I was born and raised there as a missionary kid, and uh, I went back as a missionary, as the Lord called me, and I was working with my dad, which is something I didn't want to do at all. I didn't want to work with my dad, but the Lord had other plans, and um, we started a church, and we started a Bible college, and not only me, but my brother, my brother-in-law, and, and Costa Rican pastors, we came together to start a, a serious Bible college. And uh, as you can see, we have a, a piece of land there. It's about two acres. So it's 20,000 square meters. And we, have, we, have, we used to have three ministries there, which is a church. We saw, did you see the balloons and the camera going around? We were celebrating 21 years since we started that church. Dad and I started that church. And then we had other people come in to help us with the Bible college. And, uh, and then later on, we brought the camp and it was also on that property. But right now we have the church and our camp. And the Bible College is in another city. And right now our Bible College is closed down. And COVID kind of put the last nail in the coffin there. Coffin. But we're wanting to reopen the school in another way. Lord willing, I want to open up the school in a different way. And it's something that I've been wanting to do for many years. And I'll be speaking to you about it later. But I pray about that because the heart, my heart has always been in training nationals. And uh, my dad taught me this, and he was always his uh, main focus when you go to the mission field is that you train the people there to continue the work. Because there's a lot of missionary work that gets done, and, and the missionary kind of is like a, a orchestra player. He plays all the instruments in the orchestra, and nobody learns anything. But uh, we're not of that philosophy at all because that's not what the Bible teaches. We're supposed to be uh, building and making disciples and they continue the work. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we do. I have two prayer requests and two things that I, I wish the church would help us with. One of them is pray for a situation with my wife. Where we came to the States to, to find a, a, a way to do an ablation on my wife's heart. She needs a, a, a procedure done. We haven't got that done yet. And just pray that we just, we just put all our paperwork in to get Medicaid in West Virginia. And we're praying that they'll give it to us. And we can do this. So pray about that. And also pray for, um, we, have, we have several projects in Costa Rica, but two, two main ones. Did you see the big green building we were, we were celebrating our, with balloons? That building is 40% done. And I notice you guys are 
you're busting at the seams here and you need a new building. So you're in the same situation we are. We don't fit no longer in our building and we need to build something bigger. But we already built it and I've been working on that building for eight years, literally with my fingernails. That means I don't have anything to work with and whatever little bit comes in, I put it up and we build it. So we need to put a floor in and a ceiling in. And uh, the floor costs about $5,000 to do. The ceiling costs about $5,000 to do. And we're asking churches to either come down and help us put it up or help us financially with that. So here recently, in this last month and a half, I have had two churches sign up for that. And one of them, no, actually three, three churches. One of them is going down to help us put up the drywall. One of them has given us enough money to put up the windows and doors. And the second one, maybe it'll help us put up the ceiling. But we're, ask, we're asking for churches to help us with this. Each project costs 5000 And pray about that. We want to be in this building, Lord willing, the end of this year. And I say that because we have a huge Christmas play we put on every year. My wife is the director of that. She sometimes writes the script. And we'll have like anywhere from 15 to 25 actors and being a Catholic country as it is, we've always seen that in, in, in Catholic countries, you know, they won't get near Protestants is what they call us. They put us on the same box. We're not Protestants. But they, they said, oh, we won't go near there. But if we have a Christmas play, they'll come to our church. So in a Christmas play, Catholics love Christmas and they'll come and, and they'll, we, can, we, we can share the gospel with them. So pray that we can be in our new building with room because our, our church gets packed out. One time we had 205 in a building a little bit bigger than this, and we couldn't hardly fit. It was very uncomfortable. And when you put so much work into a Christmas play, you want people to be comfortable and concentrated on the play. So pray that we can get these things done by this year and move in and be be comfortable. So does anybody have any questions? I'll take two or three questions. We had some questions this morning. Who wants to go? <laughs> yes. We're we're kind of uh, just right outside of town, so we're in a city of about thirty-eight thousand people, and then there's cities around us that are bigger. Where Jonathan was, he's he's eighty thousand. That's where Oscar's from, and uh, yeah. So yes. Yes, yes. During uh, during this time of COVID, a lot of people came. Came to, came to the Lord. A lot of people came back to church, which is good. I think the Lord used that in a good way. Yes? Did you have restrictions during COVID? Very, very heavy restrictions. Almost communistic. We had a very communist president. And he, he could openly be communist because the Costa Ricans wouldn't have, have that. But uh, we had restrictions way more than you did in the sense that all, everything closed down. You got curfews at night. Nobody out after ten. Um, the government made it illegal to sing. You couldn't sing if you did get together. That was awful. Uh, they closed down churches. They closed down everything for a long time. And uh, yeah, it was. They even they would even call us on the phone if they knew somebody was sick and they were at our house. They would call us and say, "So and so is at your house. Y'all can't leave for the next fifteen days." So I was like, "How in the world did they know?" It was it was crazy. And that's how I knew I had COVID because we got whatever the people that came to their house were sick and then I got what they had and then it says, Y'all have COVID. Oh, we do? 
but it was getting really scary. Three missionaries left the field because of those restrictions. They got they got afraid and left. So, yes. Were you able to put services online? Yes, we did Zoom. We did Zoom, and it was it was all right. It's not church. Sorry, it's just not church. But we we were able to survive. Some pastors went crazy about that. They thought that that was the answer, but no. That's not church. Mm-mm. Give me one more. All right. If you want to talk to me, I'll be after here after church, and I'll have my kids come up. We'll sing one song completely in Spanish. <laughs> completely in Spanish. We're going to speak in tongues. Are you ready? Yes. Sure. Let's go to our Bibles. And this morning, we were talking about, in Sunday school... A missionary-minded person, and um, I want to be talking about the heart of the Great Commission, or you can call it a, mission, uh, a missionary heart, or hearted person. I don't know if you, that's properly said. If you find that my English is a little strange, my probably my first language is Spanish. I'm not sure. I grew up learning both, so if I say something odd, uh, please forgive me. And we're going to be in um, in Psalms chapter uh, ninety six. Psalms chapter ninety six. And how much time do I have here? It's already twelve, almost right. How much time? How much time do I have? About twenty minutes. Mm. I spend time here wasting time asking how much time do I have. <laughs> so Psalms chapter Psalms chapter ninety six is, and I'll be brief, I promise, um, is a whole chapter that, that was, that was uh, I learned it from my, one of my professors at Bible College in Antioch. I was there for a while in Atlanta. Dr. Edward Kirsch, he, he'd, been preaching to, he'd been preaching through the whole, book, the whole book of Psalms, which are five books. And he came on to this one and showed me how this whole chapter is a chapter of the Great Commission. The Great Commission, that you find in Matthew 28. And I'll read you that really quick. The Great Commission is, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is our Great Commission as Christians to go out. And, of course, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, which were Jews. And if you read Psalms 96, it is, it, it's incredible. Let's read it really quick. You'll, now we read that one, we'll read this one. It says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. Look at that. That interesting. Then in verse it declare his glory among all people and wonders among all, 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 uh, among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord all ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. 
Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth, he shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Incredible. And uh, my, my professor, I remember him saying that he would go to, to Israel and speak. He would go there and take, take tours there, but he would also help people, you know, and, and, and he would take people and, and, and give them the tour himself. And he said that when he spoke to some of the rabbis there, they would jokingly say that the worst mistake or financial mistake that the Jewish ever made were giving the Bible to the Gentiles. Now, you can imagine <laughs> that they made a horrible mistake when they gave it to us because we took the Bible and we ran with it all over the world. Uh, when Paul went to uh, um, Eastern Europe and, 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 all the, and then the gospel spread all the way to the west of Europe, then all the way to America... And now America's sending more missionaries out than anybody ever sent missionaries out, I believe. And we still are sending missionaries out. And we cannot stop sending missionaries out. And, uh, but the heart of the Great Commission is what I, wanna, what, what I want you to, to learn today. The mind of a, a missionary person is a mind that's been transformed. And it's constantly doing good. It's constantly being acceptable. And it's constantly walking in the perfect will of God, the mind. But the heart... Is, is a little different. Now, in, in, let me explain this because this could be complex. It could be strange. A lot of churches go after the heart. And they want to get people in a big and emotional high. And they want people to be emotionally, spiritually emotional. I don't know how to say that, but they want that. But a biblical-based church or people first get to your mind. We teach the truth goes into your mind. It changes you, transforms you, then your heart. Can't be, it can't be heart, then mind. Because it usually never, they never really connect. But it has to be your mind with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you know about your sin. You realize that you're sinful. You're dying and going to hell. And then when you know about Jesus, you believe in Jesus. And you understand that he washed away all our sins. And we can go to heaven if we believe in him. So it's the truth. That's the absolute truth. And everything from there on that Jesus said and did and wrote in the Bible and that is in the Bible is absolute truth. So we got our mind, then our heart. So our heart, I believe, is what America is, is, is failing. We're, our heart is in the wrong place. And the only way to get back that is to show you somebody that, like King David, which wrote this, show you what his heart was like, of course, based in truth. And uh, we, we have a good knowledge of the Bible here in America. I mean, we write, look at it, we write so much in this country. This, this country produces Bibles and study Bibles and books on every subject that you can imagine about the Bible. But still, our nation, is a, is, our heart is far from the Lord. I really believe that, far from the Lord for some reason. And uh, let's look at the first verse. It says, Oh, ye, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. It says three times. Sing unto the Lord. 
bless his name, show forth their salvation from day to day. And as a musician, I look at this, and a lot of people would say, oh, when it says sing a new song, we should sing a new type of rhythm, you know, you know they go into the rock world. That's not what it's talking about. Singing the Lord a new song is not changing the genre of the song. What does it mean to sing a new song? It means that if you walk with the Lord and God does things in your life, you're going to write about it, something new. You're going to, you're going to say, wow, this is, this is, Lord, I want to write a beautiful poem about this. Because look at what you did for me. I want to write something. Look at this. These, this my family member got saved. Somebody, you write about that. And that's what you find in our hymnals. We were, we were singing hymnals of people that back then, that was their new song. Can we honestly say that that's our song? In our situation? It is, in a way, but it's not. We didn't write music in, about things that are happening to us now. And bring forth the salvation. Show forth His salvation. So you see where the heart is. If the heart is, is in the right area, then you're going to see God in everything that happens. You're going to see because you're walking in, you're walking in His will as a Christian, and you start seeing how God moves things and does things for you. You see it. And you're going to be excited about that. But if you're in your own mind, and you're on your own plan, and you're living your life as a normal person, and you're just, you never think about God, but when you pray and, and pray for your food, you're not going to see those things. And God wants you to see Him for who He is. He says, you're supposed to sing unto the Lord, bless His name, show forth His salvation, from day to day, every day, something's got to happen in your life that has to do with what God did. Every day, every day, you got to be able to see God in something that He's doing. When was the last time you saw God in something that He did for you? Is it every day, or is it once a year, or only like you have God as a nine one one operator? You know, when am I in trouble? When I have a situation, then I call God, and then maybe I pray and beg and do something and. The heart of a, of a missionary-minded person is a heart that, that sees God every day, shows forth, wants to show forth His salvation every day. Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. The heart of the Great Commission is a heart filled with God, and it sees God for who He is and wants to declare it every day. So God should be something that is, is on the tip of your tongue. So you come up, you confront people, you walk up to people, people that are unsaved walk to you, and, and it's very easy to go from one conversation, menial life things, into God. It should be very simple. It should be uncomfortable. Because it's uncomfortable, you might be forcing it in a way that, oh, I wasn't really in prayer with the Lord, so I'm gonna, I should witness to this person, but I, my testimony has not been so good. Uh, you know what I mean? You should be uh, walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and it should be very simple to just show forth His salvation because your heart is in it. Um, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And I really want to talk about this because when, uh, for a long time I, uh, uh, I wanted to study all the Islamic things. And the Islamic was, we had the, I saw the, the, the Twin Towers fall. I was here in the States. It was very sad. 
Then I went deep in the study, and so much that my wife was afraid of me, afraid, afraid for me because I would get online and find people who were Islamics and debate and talk to them. I really want to know who these people were. I went and studied their history, their books, and uh, they, they, they fear their God. They fear Allah, which is Satan himself, honestly. And, um, and I noticed how they, they, they fear him so much that they'll go and kill you because they want to be in the heaven that he created, which is a perverse, horrible heaven. Uh, and so, but I, I think, I think uh, as us as Christians, do we fear God? Do we see God for who he truly is? And to have a heart for God is, is a heart that fears God and knows God, knows what he's capable of. What has God done in the past? What he's doing now? And if you see what he did now and allowed COVID, you think, oh, wow. And that was just a little tiny plague. It wasn't even considered historically a plague or a, or, a, or a pandemic. When they started talking about pandemic, I went back in history. I'm like, that's not a pandemic. A pandemic is a lot worse than this uh, because in history you see it's a lot worse. But God allowed that to happen. It was small. What if it was a real plague, like the Black Plague? Yeah. What was something like that where everybody, just, everybody died and only one or two family members were surviving? And you go further back and you see how, what he did to the Egyptians, what he did to the Babylonians, what he did to, even to Israel. And you start getting the feel of who God truly is and what he is capable of. If you know the revelations and you see all the things that happened during the tribulation, you should have a good understanding and you should develop a good fear of God. Amen. Not a respect. Not a, oh, I... I respect God. No, a fear of God. Uh, one of the, I forget what the book is, but it talks about when God comes, when he comes down after the tribulation, that a sword comes out of his mouth and pe people will literally melt on where they're standing and the blood will rise to the mouth of the horses and he, he, he squashes the wine press with his feet and his, his garments are splattered with blood. And uh, one specific chapter in, in, in the Old Testament talks about how their eye sockets go back into their head, melting. We, we need to fear God. He's real. And He's not like the other gods who are all fake and false. Um, Dad would talk about when he would go into Honduras a long time ago. And some of these uh, temples that worshipped uh, idols. In, in a, I think it was Guatemala because they have a lot of uh, Indians there. And they worshiped these idols, and, and uh, dad just walked in, but he was supposed to walk in that holy place because they'd kill him. And he, uh, knowing that how he was, he just walked in, he got in trouble. And some people confronted him really quickly and said, you can't walk in here, you're, you're uh, not of our religion, you know. And uh, they, you walk into these, you see these nations like India have millions of gods, and you see all these gods. They're all fake and false, there's no power in these gods. You know, I know that Marvel likes to, I'm sorry Oscar, but all the gods that Marvel and the movies that they make with the Nordic gods, they don't have any power. It's just a movie. It's a fantasy. None of those are real. My God, our God, this God, he's real. Amen. He is real. You can see the effects of this earth. And we were looking at, I was telling Oscar, Oscar, look at the mines, our coal mines. Look at the effects of the flood. God did that. My God did that. He took the earth and, and to me, it's like he squashed it. And all the water came out. You know, like a sponge. And the flood. 
rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and you go into these mines and find these uh, kettle bottoms, they call them, that kill coal miners. It's the bottom of a tree inside of a rock mountain. So they make a cave, they, they get the coal, and there's the bottom of a tree comes loose and falls on the coal miners and kills them. That's one of the main things that kills coal miners. Kettle bottom. And, and what, what is that tree doing in there? How did that tree get inside rock? The flood. My God. My God is great and greatly to be praised. And we should fear Him. That's the heart of somebody who is uh, mission-minded. A person who wants to show forth the salvation. But God gives salvation too. Look what God is capable of. And look what's coming. When you witness to somebody, tell them about this stuff. I know we want to say God loves you, but these, some of these people need to know what God is capable of and what is coming. His kingdom is coming. It's coming. It's going to end. This, this whole corrupt government, government globalism is going to come to an end. A horrible, violent end. And God will reign justly. So it talks about, then it goes into all these adjectives, which are wonderful. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, all ye kindreds of people, give unto the Lord in strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. All these adjectives, honor, majesty, strength, beauty. When was the last time you, you prayed to God and, 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 and said those things to him? Where's your heart? Is your heart in the right place? Because we'll go to a football or baseball game and we'll say all these wonderful adjectives, you know. You're awesome, our team is great, we won, yes. And all. But when we go in, into, you know, on our knees and, and, and have a relationship with God, we, Lord, thank you for this food, and thank you for this day. You just name a man. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness, verse 9. Fear before him all the earth. So we have a nation who knows the Bible. We know the Bible. But our heart is far from who God truly is. So verse 10 and verse 13 are actually their instructions on what we're supposed to do. Because verse 11 and 12 talks about how the, the creation is, is joyful. When, this, when, G, when God comes and reigns in just and peace, the earth is going to be joyful. Because we, the earth groans right now. Groans because of our sinful human nature. is just destroying everything. But 10 and 13 says, Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established, that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. And, and then certain thing before the Lord. For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and his people with his truth. Ain't that a wonderful promise that we're going to have a king that is righteous, that will judge righteously, perfectly, and truthfully. And if, if you've ever noticed, when you talk to people nowadays, people are just disheartened at so much corruption. Even the people who are not saved, they're disheartened because everything they can't believe anything nobody says. You know, everything is relative. No politician is going to tell you the truth. We just need to get as much as we can out of anything. And when you come up to somebody and you witness to them, you say, there's going to be a king that's going to judge righteously one day. 
That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come and judge righteously and in truth. There's going to be one day, there's going to be a kingdom that's going to be righteous. Amen. Do, you want to be, do you want to know about this? And I know I sound like a Jehovah's Witness because they, they always come up, oh, let me tell you about the kingdom, you know. No, no, no. I told the Jehovah's Witnesses, no, tell me about the king. I want to know about Jesus. And even you can witness that way to them. But witness to people. Bring forth the salvation and tell them what's coming. Give them the promises. Hey, it's not going to be this way in the future. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says Jesus is going to come and reign for a thousand years. Really? Why don't you start your witnessing like that? That's, called, that's, that's showing forth your salvation. That's using everything you know about God and, and giving it to people. You know? Giving it to people because you're full of it. And your, your mind is full of it. Your heart is full of it. You want to do this. And this is the heart of a person who is a missionary by heart and in their mind and want to share the gospel and want to share who their God truly is because you know who God is and you fear God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for so many wonderful things, Lord, that you do for us every moment of our life. Lord, we are, we are walking miracles that you allow us to walk around and breathe and serve you like we do. Lord, thank you for this church, for their faithfulness to missions. Lord, I pray that they'll soon be able to build their building and fill it up with more, more people that will know Jesus. Lord, give a lot of wisdom to Pastor Earl and a lot of wisdom to the men here. And encourage them, Lord, to show forth your salvation. Show people who you truly are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.